do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to the audience just in case they're not familiar with you and your work? I'm Liv. Most people know me by Liv Taylor Dodge, and I am a structural welder on offshore vessels. And how did you get into welding in the first place? Um, <laughs> so I love when people ask me this question because it's like an answer that you'd never, I couldn't make this up if I tried. So I was always kind of into, you know, the, the trade life, but I just had no background in it whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And um, I was actually in project management for a roofing company for years. And we had a sheet metal shop. And every day I'd walk through that shop to get to my office. And every day I'm like, oh, my God, that is so much cooler than what I'm doing. <laughs> but, but, you know, I had, I had never, like, used a tool in my life. Like, there's just no shot of it. You know, I had nobody in my life, family or whatever, that did that either. And so I'm not joking you. When I, I just had a dream that I asked my the owner of the company if I could work in the shop. And I woke up at, like, 2 in the morning. I was like, what? I was like, that was kind of a cool <laughs> idea. But, like. Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I won't. I was, I'm probably going to wake up and be like, that was really dumb. But sure enough, six o'clock in the morning, I was in the boss's office and I asked him if I could work in the shop. And he was like, seriously? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, you either work out there or you work in here. And I'm like, for real? And I packed up my whole office in a box that day and started walk, working in the shop. And then um, they have welding out there. So then I put myself in night school for, for welding. And that's kind of how it all started. That's wild. Oh, like what kind of right? <laughs> like I couldn't make that up. I tried. What what kind of work were you doing in the shop there? Like, and when you started working, it was all sheet metal fabs for like roofing, so like roof vents, boots, outlets, like gutters, downspouts, that kind of stuff. But we did a lot of specialty work for like cathedrals and coliseums. So like it'd be like you know massive copper crosses and stuff that would all be like TIG welded, and that's what really piqued my interest because it was like creative. I can't do repetitive, redundant things. It's like I like when I get to use my mind and my freedom of creativity mm -hmm. to quiet. And so that's what really drew me in. So you went to school. What kind of program did you go into? So I did. We have a, a local, I guess it's like community college, but they have welding, a welding program. And they have like day classes or night classes, basically days for like, you know, the, the young kids that can do it full time and nights for like all of us who are working full time jobs already. And I look back and I really do not. I don't know how I did it because I had a three month old. <laughs> I had a three year old and I was working 10 hour days at a closet like, I guess it's kind of like a factory. So I worked there 10 hours, 10 hours a day. And then welding night class was five hours every night. And that was for about six months. So dang, it was a lot, but I knew what I wanted, you know? Yeah. So that's what I try to tell everybody that wants to go into the trades. That's why I show the good, the bad and the ugly on my page. I don't just glamorize it because it's a lot. You have to have drive. You have to be passionate and you have to be dedicated or you will not make it. There's no possible way because like those six months, it's like I had to give everything I had, you know, just to get my foot in the door to get started. And so that's why I showed the good, bad and the ugly because you have to know what you're signing up for to make sure you want to do it. I don't want any women or men going out into the field because, oh, it looks so fun and easy the way that Liv showed it. And then they fall on their face, you know, like one that sucks for them. They probably gave up a lot to be in that position. And, you know, it's not fun to fall on your face. They'll probably never want to do it again. And then also, you know, it's kind of defeats the whole purpose of me changing the stigma for women in the field. That it's like, that's what everybody expects mm -hmm. for women that come out into the field. And it's like, I don't want to set anybody up for that. 
you know, I want them to be fully ready to go, yeah. what to expect. Well, when you did get out of school, like what was your journey like getting a job after that? Rough. Yeah. <laughs> Rough. So one of the things that I try to make known that might not be loved or I don't know. So people have a big stigma of welders and welders do say it too. Of We make a lot of money. Welders make a lot of money. Okay. That's all you hear. Mm-hmm. Just that welders make a lot of money. So I went in thinking welders make a lot of money. All I had known was office life. Okay. So I'm just used to like salary or hourly, like just the basic. Okay. Trades. We're not paid the same at all as like, as that lifestyle like mm-hmm. it's just not the same and I didn't know that so I went in thinking oh welders must just make a lot of money per hour wrong so, <laughs> you know my very first welding job one you know it's kind of harder to find a job when you're very new out the door and you're just green like nobody you know that magic number is five years in, in mm-hmm. the welding field oh, yeah. like five they years had that five years experience and so when you're fresh out of school it's gonna be a little bit harder to find a job so my first welding job, just because like I was so antsy and excited, I actually took like a $7 an hour pay cut. I'm like, oh my God, I thought I was going to make more money by making less. Like what's going on? And it's because I didn't understand, you know, there's different fields of welding. You know, there's, there's shop welding, there's refineries and shipyard welding, there's pipeline welding. And yes, there's money in the field or in, in welding, but it's because there's the opportunity for money in welding, meaning per diem, meaning overtime. Like if, if you're a dental assistant, you're not getting, you know, 40 hours of overtime offered to you. Mm-hmm. That's why there's money in welding. Because you want 40 hours of overtime this week? Done. Like that's why there's money there. And I didn't know all that going in. That's something I try to explain to people because would I have changed what I I would have changed going into welding had I known that back then. Probably not. I love what I do. But would I have changed my route or my path going into welding? Absolutely. Because it, it's like I had to learn all that firsthand, mm-hmm. you know, my first few years of being in welding. So I would tell everybody, like, really try to find other people to talk to and and learn as much as you can so that you can find the right path for you. Because I went in thinking, oh, I'm going to make, like, pipeliner money, you know? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> You know, that's not the case. And for me, that's not even an option because like I've got two sons at home and I can't, I can't just go on the road for, you know, months at a time. So it's like, you got to find the give and take of it. Yeah. So what was the, the first job you got in the ship world? Like, cause you do right now, like one of the coolest thing is seeing you crawl into all these little spots and, <laughs> and do crazy welds, you know, but like, how did you get involved in the ship world? Okay, so um, where I live, shipyards are like very normal. Like for I know a lot of the rest of the world, like you know, if you're not on on water, like we I live on the Gulf of Mexico, so like you know, it's a very normal thing around here. But everybody else, it's kind of I guess like you know they don't see it very much. And they're like, how do I get into this? And my dude, you just apply, just walk down the street. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um. I I always knew it was an option for me here, but I'd always chose to not go that route just because once you go shipyard refinery life, it's kind of a lifestyle and it's a very, it's a rough and tough lifestyle to do. And I just wasn't really 
I was still learning and growing and I wanted to do more fabrication work. And that was at the time that I didn't understand the pay difference. And, you know, at shops here, you're going to top out at $20 an hour and you're not going to make more than that. That's just how it is. So I did that for a lot of years. And then I was, um, I was self-employed welding for about a year and a half. And, um, I totaled my rig. <laughs> and oh, no. So I, um, I had just bought my truck and, um, I couldn't take that loss, like with insurance and everything. So me and my dad, we built back my truck for about three and a half months. And then at that point, I was like, oh, my God, like, I need to go get a job job. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to go into the shipyards. because That's the highest that's the highest pay you're going to get around here without going on the road. And so um, I started at Ingalls Shipyard, which is uh, it's about 45 minutes from here. And that's where I started out. And um, it worked out for the best because where I'm at now, I'm really happy with. But I wouldn't be in the established, like, respected position that I'm in if I hadn't gotten the shipyard experience that I needed at that other shipyard, if that makes any sense. Because there's a lot of things. You can be, like, the best of the best welder, but, like, shipyard welding is a world of its own. And you will not learn those things until you just have first-hand experience them. So When you say world of its own, what are some of those things that make it so different? Like how I said, like that rough and tough lifestyle, um, it is, it's very dirty. It's very hot. It's very, I mean, you're building ships. Like the last place that I worked at, you know, there's 12,000 workers there. You know, it's just, it's a lot. And we flux core weld, which is not a very common weld process outside of shipyards. And a lot of people will be like, oh, like she's just MIG welding. Okay, they're both wire-fed <laughs> processes. <laughs> so people will be like, oh, she's just MIG welding. Let me tell you, flux core welding is some of the hardest welding I've ever done. It's the best for what we do out there because we do very dirty and and everything out there. You're welding gaps. You're welding with torch trash. You're welding with paint and primer that's full of zinc. It's the worst possible conditions that you could weld in. It, you're fighting your weld the entire time. And that's what I mean about it's something that you you can't you can't even comprehend until you're out there. You have to learn how to weld for those conditions. And with flux core, yes, it's wire fed like MIG, but MIG is two to three thousand degrees, I believe. Stick, I think, is like five thousand, four or five. I don't know, way less. TIG is like seven to eight thousand degrees. Flux core is ten thousand degrees. That's like the heat of the surface of the sun. It is a lot, a lot, a lot of heat, which is why it's the best for the conditions that we do because we're able to burn through everything that we're welding. But it's a lot of heat to be able to handle and control. Yeah. Which makes it very, very difficult. And a lot of people have no idea because unless you've worked in a shipyard, you don't know what it's like to try to control 10,000 degrees, especially when you're welding like the conditions I weld, especially confined space where you can barely move, you can barely see, you can barely breathe. And, you know... It's just, it's, it's a lot. And, yeah. you know, in shipyards, like I said, you know, there's 12,000 workers. Like, that is a lot of welding machines. That's a lot of lines. It's a lot of people working at the same time in very rough and tough conditions. So your machines are getting beat to hell and back. All your equipment's beat to hell and back. You know, you're dragging it up five decks. You're going, you know, you got 500 foot of lead that's going off side of the ship. Everything gets kind of tore up. And so it's learning how to work with that along with the conditions in the type of welding that you're doing that makes shipyard welding very different from everything else. Damn. 
That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if that explains it. No, it definitely does. I mean, when you when you're working in these confined spaces, I know that's something that like, you know, when you go through school, they talk about working in confined spaces, but the reality of working in confined spaces is very different, you know? <laughs> like can you mm-hmm. like what are what is like a normal day for you like when you're like going down into these confined spaces? Um, aggravating. (laughs) (laughs) So like working in the confined spaces, um, it means, um, a lot of dragging lines. So you are constantly like, you don't realize like, as a part that I don't really show, I've been meaning to kind of highlight it because people don't even realize that. Like, one how heavy lead lines are and we're shipyard welding so that means we have the heaviest and the most powerful like you know thickest lines for everything and um so like our flex core box alone is 48 pounds that box that i drive with me through every single hole every compartment all of it is 48 pounds your welding spool is 15 pounds your whip that's on your box i'm not really sure how much that weighs but it's about eight to ten foot long and then you're running sometimes up to 500 foot of line then you got your gas line, you got your extension cords, and and to <laughs> shove all of that through these holes with you, it, it's just like, put it this way, I go into a hole and I probably won't come out the whole day because it's just a lot to go in and come out. And then, oh, and then you also have your, your airlines for your ventilation. And um, it's, uh, I don't know, it's something that you have to to adjust to and learn what's what's best for you. Yeah, it's like caving. You know, yeah, it's 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 rough. It's rough for sure. But the way that I see it is like, for me, I I know like, oh, it's not really fair because none of these other guys are having to do it because they're they can't fit. But for me, I see it as job security. Like, I can do something and offer something to the company that nobody else can do. So, I take that for what it is. I guess. Yeah. No, I mean, and that's a good thing to have is job security. You know. It's like, cause mm-hmm. if you're, especially in space. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the wire that you're running, like in this machine, what thickness of wire is it? So we run 52 damn. wire, which is pretty damn thick. Yeah. yeah. That's big. <laughs> we run dual shield 52. Some welders out there will run 45, but I, I can't do it because I run all my, everything's hot and high like because it's production welding out there that's why i really don't even like showing off my welds on social media because one flux core welds can only be as pretty as they can be mm-hmm. because it's flux core welding like it's just like yeah but then on top of that like they drill this into our heads we are building ships not rolexes that is what they engrave into your brain we're building ships not really they don't want pretty welds they want good welds and they want a lot of them fast we're production welders and that's why we flux core weld and why we don't stick weld i'll stick weld when i go on a hitch and i'm going out to port because it's easier for like little repairs i'm having to go here 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 and i can just drag my stinger around but when you're in the shipyard it's it's production welding so that's why we were on 52 wire because it's it lays down a lot of weld really fast. <laughs> that's a lot of metal. But a lot of the new welders who aren't, again, like that that's what makes shipyard welding different is that's typically not a type of welding that most people have experience with. And it's, it's, it's hot and it's a lot of welding. It's fast and a lot of people don't experience in that or that are new. 
they can't keep up with it. And I, I had an issue keeping up with it too. You know, everybody's like, turn your heat up, turn your heat up. I'm like, I can't, like, I, like my well's going to be taking me and I'm not going to be taking it, you know? So um, it's something that definitely over time you get experience learning how to weld fast. And, and so a lot of the, the newer welders or um, the slower welders, they'll weld with 45 because it's a lot slower. But for me, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> You're like, come on. <laughs> That's crazy. How long of welds are you making? Like how, how long of a run are you making on average? It, it see, so it depends on like what what part of the ship that you're welding on. Like whenever I'm on the ground, like I was welding welding like the skags, which like so I'm literally sitting on the ground, dude. I won't even lie. You know the little scooters that oh, you yeah. um in elementary school in you the gymnasium, them. like like you'd you'd be running all over the place and you'd lose your knuckles from buttoning into other people. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I'm talking about the four <laughs> scooters? Oh yeah. So my son has one of those. He's a Paw Patrol one. And one day I was cleaning up the playroom and I seen that in there. I was like, oh. That'd be perfect. So, like, I literally sat my little booty butt on that little floor scooter, and I pulled the trigger, and I just walked for like eight feet at a time, like laying down like eight foot of weld at once. Damn. And because I didn't stop, you know, I'm just rolling on the floor. But there's there you can weld like that. But then there's other times when I'm in a confined space, you know, I physically am stuck like you know like this, and I can only weld from here to there, and it's like six inches at a time because that's as far as I can move. And you got to like readjust. So it really all just kind of depends. So there's times that I could burn through, you know, 115 pounds of wire in four days. And it's like it's nothing. And then there's other days where I might go through half of a spool just because I'm welding six inches at a time. So what are the expectations people have? Like, are you given like, okay, you need to complete this amount of welds today? Or like, is it just like... um. It's something that you just learn from being out there. You kind of just start to know what's expected of you. You know, everybody's a different class welder. So we have, you know, first, second, third, fourth uh, class welders and then like, you know, apprentices. So there's different expectations for different class of welders. You know, your first class welders are basically looked at as like contractors. Like you're at the level of where you are expected to not have to anything explained to you. You know, you're expected that, you know, if they're if you're put here that you can troubleshoot any issue that you have, like you're on your own. And that's expected of you. And there's a certain like level of weld and amount of weld that's just kind of expected and it's it's hard to say like, hey, you, you know, you need to have 20 foot of weld done in this amount of time. It's more or less because everything's different. You know, if you're welding overhead, if you're welding verticals, if you're in a combined space, if you're up on the deck, if you're on, a, you know, scaffolding, you might be in a man lick. It all just kind of depends. And and like I said, just from being out there, you kind of learn what you're what's expected and what's normal because if you're slow or you're running behind like trust me they're gonna tell yes, you yes i will tell you <laughs> they're, they're gonna tell you and if you can't keep up they will run you off hey what is the average amount of people you see get run off uh, <laughs> um i'd say probably half of them that come in damn that's crazy mm-hmm. that is crazy yeah. about uh, yeah i'd say Honestly, maybe a little bit more that come in, make it about a week. And then they're just like, this ain't for me. I'm out of here. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's wild. Yeah. And how long have you been yeah. in it? Um, About two and a half years. Damn. 
So yeah, as as so is it like dog years? I would imagine like shipbuilding years is kind of like dog years. Like every year is like seven years of real experience. You know? Oh my God, <laughs> you have no idea. Like so, when I started welding, you know, you always hear about like all the old timers and people have been doing welding and just anybody talking about welding, like like the effects it has on you and, and why it's bad for you, why you need to wear your respirator and just, oh, it takes a toll on you and this and that. And I was always like with it, you know, because it's like I had been doing welding. I'm like, it's just garbage, right? It wasn't until I started working in the shipyards that like, I'd say about a year ago that the toll of welding like hit me like a freight train like all those things you hear about from the old timers like with your body and your lungs and your hands like i've got carpal tunnel from it and it's like stuff like that like a flux core gun is so freaking heavy like i i picked up my mig welder gun the other day i'm like this thing's like a toy <laughs> you're like i almost threw that across the whole shop and so it's like, it's stuff like that that you don't even think about. Like, I don't know a single welder out there in the shipyard that's been out there for years that doesn't have carpal tunnel just because, like, our welding guns are that heavy. So, yeah, now it's like the toll of welding and all those bad things you hear about definitely hit 10 times as hard working in a shipyard as, like, regular welding would. So as a fellow carpal tunnel person i have i have carpal tunnel for years of music what do you do to try to like when i went into welding it got ridiculously bad just because of the repetitive movement and i was working at a steel yard at the same time so it was like i was it was double duty on my bad my bad wrists but what do you do to combat that like how do you because it's something that a lot of people deal with like do you just bite the bullet Pretty much, yeah. I'll wrap up my wrist underneath my welding glove because you can't really wear a brace or nothing. That's re- I mean, that's really it. I mean, I get aggravated. I really do because I'll be welding and I do not like stopping a weld. Like, even if I'm on fire, like, I'm going to finish this weld out. That's just how I, that's how most welders are, I feel like. Oh, yeah. But so I'll get aggravated because, like, my like my trigger finger will give out on me in the middle of a weld because my carpal tunnel. And I'm like, you know, because... I did. I didn't want to stop welding, but you just kind of you start to lose that control of it. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, there's not, there's really not much you can do. A lot of the guys out there will have surgery, but like we just had one of the guys I worked with. He just got back from having surgery on both of his wrists, and you know he was out for ten weeks. Yeah. So that's a long it's time. Just like, yeah, and I mean, you know, and if you don't take care of it in time, like you know, it just comes back. It's just I feel like once you get it, it's just kind of something that you live with. Yeah. I found really good exercises. There's, if you can find them, it's a, it's a golf exercise actually, but it's something where you, like a lot of people would get the hand exercisers thinking that's going to help, but it's actually, if you work on opening your hand, like the muscles in the back of your hands, that saved me. Like it saved me hardcore. Really? Just like I have this. Yeah. And see, that's another thing like with, with shipyard welding, it's like whenever I switch from what my hand like my muscle members used to when you're holding a flex core gun it's it, like you are like death squeezing it like mm. you are like i mean you are tight you are not moving because like you have to stay steady i mean like the, it's just so heavy like you can't use a guide hand like cause it's too hot like art like it's so hot like all my gloves like are up there like they're not completely worn out but you can't use them anymore because they heat shrink because mm. the heat is so hot you can't use a guide hand or nothing so you're like death squeezing it so when i switch to like twit twig to dig or something and you know you gotta you gotta be loosey-goosey 
That is the <laughs> hardest freaking adjustment to make because my muscle memory is death squeezing this gun, you know, yeah. so to stay stable. And it, it's, I feel like that also like hurts your, or makes like the carpal tunnel worse because you're like, you're straining your wrist so mm. much. But it's something we deal with, right? You just got to push through. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. As far as like your page and like getting on social media and like you have quite the following on there, but like you get asked all the time, like I'm sure you get asked a ton of questions on there. What are some of the most common questions you get on social media? Probably one of the most common is like, how, how did you get started in the field? And, um, like we kind of touched on that and I, it's, it's hard thing just to like comment back on, but that'd probably be like one of my biggest things is, is, is women or, or men, but it's mainly women. Just, I feel like because of how hard it is for us to kind of put ourselves out there and that is them asking how I got started. I mean, I just tell people welding school, yeah. you know? You might not learn everything that you need to learn there, but it's something to get your foot in the door and to to open the door to where you need to go with it after that. See, and now you can say, actually, just listen to this podcast, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, as far as like events, you told me you were going to be going to Fabtech this year. and she... Yes, I'm so excited. So I'm actually, uh, I work with Pipeliners Cloud a lot, uh -huh. and they're we're going to be hosting a meet and greet for me there. Awesome. And so I'm really stoked about that. It's a, you got to tell us the time. Me and talk to everybody there. I'm stoked. Yeah, we'll be there. We love, like, that's my favorite thing about, like, I've gone to Fabtech the past two years. And it's. it's this is my first time. Oh, it's really fun. Like, there's there's a lot going on. Like, there's just, like, a ton of machines, a bunch of stuff to look at. But then there's a lot of really fun events that you can go to in the night mm -hmm. to, like, meet other people. But I think as like a welder or, you know, people in the influencer crowd, like there's a lot of people that. that you yeah, there is like, I just feel like every, every other creator influencer that I have like worked with, talked with, become friends with over the years. It's like, I'm about to meet all of them. <laughs> yeah. It's like a big family reunion every yeah. year. It's awesome. Yeah. And I'm starting too, just because like, I will geek out on like, like on welding, like the science of welding and all of that, like. I will geek out. Like, don't get me started because you're going to be stuck in this conversation. And so I'm I'm excited. I feel like it's like a, just a massive, like, convention for welders just to, like, geek out on everything that's welding. Oh, it is fun. <laughs> I can't wait. And I'll tell you exactly what we're going to do because we got, oh, we yeah, got some plans. Oh, yeah, for sure. We need to meet up. So uh, you've been putting together a shop. Like, what is your plan? I have. I don't really have one. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> well, like. It's just like it's a downtime thing for me. I honestly hate that I haven't been able to get it together more because I'm not going to show it to you. Oh, like getting the inside scope so, on the shop, too. <laughs> it's like I got my welding stuff here, and then my all my like mechanic stuff's kind of like over there. I'm not really going to show you the rest because it's not really. It's not really ready yet. It's honestly the shop's so big that like it's hard to. I don't know. But um, a shop has quite literally been like the the number one thing on my list of like what I wanted for myself. Like over the years, like I mean, just a year and a half ago, like or about two years ago, 
I was in a two bedroom apartment and I didn't even have a garage. Like I had a table saw in my kitchen. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like people, people, when they'll be like, oh, must be nice. I can't stand people say that. Cause I'm like, you don't understand like what I've sacrificed and what I, the type of work I've put in, like to be able to have this, this is the one thing I wanted for myself. But then now it's like, it kind of sucks because it's like, you have to work so hard to be able to get something like this, that like, now you don't have time. Yeah. Now you don't have time to enjoy it. <laughs> Utilize it and enjoy it. No, I haven't really gotten it quite where I want it to be, but it's getting there. It, like, look, I know it's, it looks super pro. Thanks. Are you going to be doing just fabrication stuff? Um, I don't, I don't really know. I'm kind of at the point in my life right now that I don't really have like a huge plan. I'm kind of just letting life do. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm Let trying to figure unfold. that out as I go. You know, like I don't really have the time right now to just be able to do hobby work out here. Like I would love to. Most of the stuff that I do is working on my truck just doing repairs and stuff out of necessity. But I do kind of want to get to the point where I'm able to do self-employed work from my shop. Cause I mean, like, I, I don't know, like we said, your life is rough and I definitely would like to be able to go about making a living in a little bit different way. That's not killing me so much. Yeah. And um, so it's more or less like, getting to that point, I guess, and kind of figuring out what I want to do specifically before I just dive into it, you know? Yeah, that's smart, though. That's very smart. Well, as far as advice, I always like wrapping up everything, giving people advice. So if somebody is getting into welding, what would your biggest advice for them be? Biggest advice, like getting into welding. One would be what I said earlier about doing your research as far as the different fields of welding and, and what's going to suit your lifestyle the best and what, you know, type of pay to expect. And then two, as like welder, welder advice, if you are completely green getting into the field, learning how to set your machines in according to what weld process you're doing and the materials that you're using and uh, what weld position you're in, that is like, because you, when you go to welding school, I'm assuming you're in welding school if you're just starting out, they set your machines for you. So this is one of the hardest things for me to learn without looking like dumb, mm -hmm. you know, at these new jobs is is I didn't know how to set my own welding machine. I didn't know how to hook up my own gas lines and, and you know, I didn't know how to run things through the manifold and stuff like that. And, you know, everything is different for aluminum and stainless and carbon. And then, you know, you're doing MIG, TIG, stick, whatever. Everything is very different. The number one thing I would say is learn how to set your machines accordingly because it's going to make night and day difference in, in one, your welds, and two, just, you know, how you're able to do your job and, and not look like, oh, I don't even know how to set my machine. Like, you can lay down perfect welds, but, like, you don't know how to set your own machine, and that's just kind of something that I didn't realize until, you know, I firsthand went through it out there. But... If your machine is like popping a lot, like let's say you're using flux or MIG and your machine is popping a lot, like what are your first, first, first things? That wire speed's too high. Too high. If, if it's popping, it's because your wire speed's too high because it's coming out of your gun too fast. So it's like popping on your metal and turn it down or turn your heat up so that it'll, you know, melt into your weld faster. As far as like with flux core, how much porosity are you dealing with? 
a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I keep my gas down as low as possible. I mean, like, if you can hear it, that's enough. And because the more gas that you're adding into your weld, like the more BBs you're going to get, like, you got to think that gas is blowing at your weld. And so I keep that down low. And then also, like, it all kind of depends on the quality of the materials that you're working with at where you're at. Like one shipyard that I worked at, you know, they have all the top of the line. They have the best, you know, steel, they have the best wire, they have the best gas. Like, you know, it was very easy to make a good weld. And versus, you know, some other places, they have very poor quality of all these materials, which makes a huge difference in your weld. One of which is like... um um, all the 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 steel is painted with primer, you know, so it's not rusting and whatnot, you know, during the pr production. And where I'm at now, they have a lot of zinc in that primer. This is stuff that you don't know about until, like, you know, you're in a shipyard and you experience this. The zinc causes porosity. So if you don't grind all of that primer off, as soon as you start welding, your, your weld will look like a sponge. Mm. Like, basically, like, gas is off. And <laughs> it's just... It's it's one of those things you have to learn flux core welding because it's something that like you don't know what's causing these issues until you have experienced them and learned how to correct them. That's awesome. I mean, this has been this has been so cool. This has been an awesome conversation. Yeah. If people Good. want to like if if they don't know who you are or like what you do, how can people find out more about you? I don't know. I guess just going on my pages, I guess. I really don't have anything else other than like my social media, which is why I'm trying to do stuff like this to make myself more established and have more of a presence across the board, not just as a creator with with, you know, video content, but also as like a spokesperson and a voice for it all too. I want people to be able to, you know, look up my name and all these different things come up for it. So Hopefully that'll be the change for this year. Well, I think I if you want it to happen, I would think it would be very easy to make it happen. All right, let's do it. <laughs>